9 to 1 a.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan. And with us today is Thomas Fukuloro, who is the winner of the performance grant from the Staten Island Council of the Arts and the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs. Uh, Thomas has been on six National Poetry Slam teams. He holds an MFA in creative writing for the New School and is co-founding editor of Great Weather for Media and NYSAI Press. Uh, he works at Wagner College and BCC, BMCC as an engineering professor where he teaches world lit and advanced creative writing. Uh, he also teaches writing at Prison Rights, and we'll, we'll try to get into that a little bit. Um, his latest chapbook, There's Always Tomorrow, was released in 2017 by Magdalene Press. And, uh, yeah, he's been living in Staten Island. He does a lot of uh, poetry readings, including um, Life Best Poetry Slam and the Who Needs Healing reading series and free workshops over at Staten Island Libraries and other various organizations. Welcome, Thomas. Hello. Good after- uh, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. So uh, why don't we start off with talking a little bit about um, the Who Needs Healing uh, series. Uh, why don't we talk a little, tell us a little bit about you know, what is the intention behind it? And it's such a nice uh, uh, title. Uh, we can start there and then kind of branch out towards your creative writing experiences and such, your poetry experiences. Yeah, go ahead. Great. Yeah, so um, Who Needs Healing is a, is a poetry reading. It happens uh, on Staten Island uh, at a place called the Canvas Institute, uh, um, which is 150 Victory Boulevard. And it it basically just came out of a need of, you know, I think when you go up on stage, when you're performing your work, there is some sort of therapeutic thing happening. There's a therapy happening. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, that stage is a couch, uh, and everyone in the audience is there, uh, to be your therapist. So with that kind of in mind, we were trying to think of a space that would be inviting for people to go up on stage, share their experiences and maybe possibly get something off their chest. I know that sounds a little, you know, heavy-handed, but the idea is just to be, you know, just a little bit more, like, freer with whatever it is you're bringing on stage, and hopefully, uh, you know, the energy you give, the audience will give right back, and hopefully some sort of, uh, you know, I I don't want to say healing, but some sort of connection, some sort of thing happens. Uh, I know you have come to one or two of them, yeah. Uh, uh, they were at a different location when you came, but they're always a very, like, you know, just an inspired night. There's just a lot of good energy going around. Yeah, I definitely felt that. And I felt that um, the community, the community feeling, I think the community aspect of it is very important that, you know, kind of returning and, and seeing your fellow people who are gone through, who have gone through, uh, perhaps have gone through something and kind of expressing the the lessons learned and the gems of, wisdom they gained from that, that struggle, from that insight. Um, yeah. And to being able to express that poetically and express that kind of concisely and being able to have that discipline to be able to, um, bring out that wisdom or bring out that thing that we can, we can then share from, you know? Yeah. yeah. So why don't we go into, um, you know, for yourself, what, 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 um, specific truth acts as your own empowerment. Like when we talk about truth to power, we're thinking about, you know, truths that are like those rock bottom truths that help us uh, gain power with it for ourselves and our communities. And we started talking about that. But talk about personally and for yourself, uh, in what way does specific truth act as a way for your empowerment? 
what way does uh, it act to my empowerment? Well, I mean, yeah. it's 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 freeing. I mean, your your you know, truth to power uh, to me is freeing. It's it's being able to express yourself in the most truthful way uh, to not only uh, provide a truth for yourself, but a truth for someone else. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's about freedom. I think poetry fills in that void for me of that truth to power, uh, uh, that empowers me to, uh, be, you know, to be more responsible with who I am, with what I share. And hopefully that responsibility affects someone else who decides they want to take on some sort of responsibility as well of conveying the truth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, uh, as you're saying, as you started off saying, like, um, you know, it's like being able to understand or, or acknowledge the fact that, you know, like we're, we're kind of, we, we kind of are, we kind of be born to this world and we, we take our hits, you know, we take our hits where we, where we, where we get them. And then being able to use poetry as a way to kind of, uh, heal or, or kind of do this kind of therapeutic method, uh, is a way to kind of connect with others who may not have that access point. Or they're just beginning to the access point, uh, so that then they can also heal and empower each other. Each other, because I think healing is a very radical act of um, empowerment. You know, where we can uh, show that we're not just being beaten down. We're, you know, we're coming back. We're we're coming back strong. It's, you know, it's interesting you said that about healing being a radical act. I uh, at Wagner College, uh, one of the classes I teach is called Poetry and Protest. And we start talking about, well, what is protest? You know, a lot of people, you know, it's for a lot of people, uh, when they think about it, they think about people, you know, uh, with signs in a field fighting something. But I think protest is also like personal things, like, you know, uh, uh, deciding to uh, wake up in the morning and get up and try to deal with your day is like an act of protest because of what you're dealing with out there. I think healing is an act of protest because you're being bogged down with everything from, I, I don't mean to be on a pedestal, but like from the media to everything telling you, you know, you're not worthy to the government. And like, you know, just choosing to want to heal from that to me, like you said, is a radical act. It's an act of protest. So I really love that you said that. Yeah, thank you, thank you, and I think that I get that uh, vibe from a lot of the things you've said uh, and their interaction. Also, we have the pre-interview questions, so that's really good to to understand that, that we're on the same page about that. And I think poetry, is specifically, you know, being undervalued, um, like as far as like the general commerce, but still practicing it despite the fact that you know we're not rock stars or superstars, but we're doing that because we're um, we're looking at poets because we're. Uh, actively involved in the community, and we're doing a ground level research, planting seeds here that hopefully will grow into something that that is valued and, and established. So, thinking about that, about you know, um, you know, why why do this if it's not like the dollars and cents kind of thing is a radical act as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, talking a little bit about your own experiences, like tell us a little bit about some of the um, impactful. Uh, Music, maybe I guess music, music and poets that um, have had have had an impact on your your writing style. We'll listen to a little bit of your poems in a few minutes. But uh, first of all, just telling us a little bit about how, as a poet, how you how you've grown and how you've been influenced. Yeah, I mean, as a poet, I mean, you know, uh, for me, it, it started like when I was like 
10 years old and just writing song lyrics down, like, you know, listening to Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, like in the 80s. And like, you know, you're just writing these words. You have no idea what they are. You think it's a song, but you also don't realize, you know, I'm doing this at 10 years old. I have no instrumentation. I'm coming up with melody in my head. There's poetry happening here, even though at 10, I had no idea what that meant. Um, but then like discover you know, when I went to uh, college, um, you know, I discovered people like E.E. E. Cummings, uh, which really kind of changed my life um, in terms of how I look at the rhythm word on the page because he just experimented so much with line breaks and form. And, uh, you know, uh, a poem that I really love of his is uh, it's A Leaf Falls. Uh, it's like L, open parentheses, A is the title. Uh, it's a really beautiful, beautiful piece. And it just kind of just just showed me what, you know, there's so much art that can be brought to something or so much, you know, just so much other levels, the, uh, for lack of a better phrasing, the multiverse of poetry, just the different ways you can think about a poem. Like, uh, you know, I could read a poem in my 20s um, and then, you know, read that same poem in my 30s and holy shit, that poem takes on a whole other meaning. And, and it's like a painting. I, I think that's amazing. That's beautiful. Uh, so yeah, so that really, E. Cummings really started me on my path to like, uh, oh my God, I've got to start doing this. I don't want to say professionally, maybe at the time I was thinking professionally, but at least do it holistically, do it, you know, it, it needs to be part of my life, part of my every day. Um, and I think, you know, you, you asked what else uh, influenced me. I think uh, during, I would say, like the uh, maybe since like for a very long time, uh, I've been going to therapy, and I think therapy um, really helps you. You know, uh, I have therapists who tell me to write lists, do journals, that kind of thing, and I and I think that it all kind of fits into that world. Uh, you know, again, a therapist isn't, you know, editing or any, you know, isn't editing my journal or looking for, you know, why didn't you put this in iambic pentameter? <laughs> but there is still, they're still looking for you to search yourself. And I think that's what poetry is. So I think that's another influence of my work. Um, and then just thinking about currently, like, you know, I love a lot of like experimental heavy music, uh, things like the Melvins, Mike Patton, uh, Faith on War, Mr. Bungle, and they're very off-key, um, off-timing with their music. They hear it in different fragments than, you know, maybe someone else. You know, it's definitely not music for mainstream radio, and I think somehow that has fallen on me, too, just the way that, you know, I, I, I love doing... I feel like I'm a page poet. I'm also a performance poet, and it really helps with my performance hitting other keys that maybe some other people wouldn't normally hit within performance. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Mm. Uh, it makes sense in my head right now, but I, I think uh -huh. those things have really influenced me and have brought me to a threshold and a new way of writing. Yeah, I definitely Ooh. think that, yeah, I definitely think that we, we value is placed on self-reflection, self-awareness that uh, we we're, we're cultivating that in, in a kind of a setting where, you know, where one-on-one uh, -on -one with the professional, whether it be therapy or uh, with the page. Um, but I think many people can benefit a lot from therapy because I think therapeutic um, techniques 
I was sitting with someone and saying, like, all right, I'm going to reflect on and bring my self-awareness to my process and how the days have gone and where am I going with my life and these kinds of things. A lot of times we're chasing after things. And, uh, you know, the, the, the machine wants you to constantly chasing after, you know, the next flighty thing that it's pr- producing, but rather sitting with sitting down and, 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 um, uh, really reflecting on our growth process over the years. And as it passes by moment to moment is very important, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah definitely, definitely. Um, but what about some experiences that you often reflect on the watershed moments of your own process? Uh, so how, what are some like major landmarks that, uh, come up for you that I'm like, all right, now from here I move to, you know, or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about like personal landmarks? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a, a big thing that comes up in my right, you know, I, I mentioned therapy, uh, mental health is a big thing, you know, uh, 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 being diagnosed with depression, anxiety, that kind of stuff always comes up in the process because it's always there. You're always feeling it. Um, but also, uh, I had a very, uh, maybe, uh, really 10 year, uh, relationship with cocaine. And that was my process for a very long time when I was going to college. Uh, when I was, you know, I, you know, I, I, in my, especially my twenties, uh, you, you start uh, you start thinking about all these writers, Hunter S. Thompson, and all these people who used that stimuli to fuel them, and and you want to be that person. And I was just so naive at the time, and that's not the only reason I was doing that. But like in terms of like things I was emulating, I was also doing it because I was going through certain things in my life. Uh, uh, and also I was just being an idiot and just doing this horrible, horrible drug that took 10 years out of my life. But when I recovered from that drug, uh, you know, it, it, it brought on a whole new feeling in my life. There was a, a, a whole new discovering of myself again. And I think, you know, part of, uh, this process, part of this thing is always about reinvention, rediscovery. You know, when you're always um, writing about the same thing or you're always discovering the same thing about yourself, well, then there's no, you know, there's nowhere really else to go. So, um, you know, definitely uh, 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 getting sober from Coke really changed uh, the way I write, the way I approach things. Um, so that was a very, very big moment it it definitely lifted the veil for me um and it just showed me that there's a pure form of writing there's a there's a there's a connection i wasn't making when i was getting crazy high i thought i was making it because i was crazy high but uh you realize that that's more the drugs talking um and not really you know you're you're for being corny here and not your heart talking uh so yeah yeah, yeah, I definitely think that it's it's very empowering to you know feel feel empowered to come off it and to really um, you know listen to your heart, you know listen to your heart of what you want and what's true for you, and not kind of this um, you know a projected idea or romanticization of of what the uh, you know what others have gone through. You know, we don't even know. I mean, I've gone through processes where I'm like, oh, you know, idealizing um, you know certain states of mind because uh, I've heard that these are or certain kind of um, behavioral patterns because I know that writers have, have struggled through that. And it's like, that's their process, but 
we all have to own our own process and own our own, um, you know, in my own experience, I understand that we have to, I have to own my own process and my own kind of way of learning and way of experiencing so that then, um, you know, we can kind of be fully ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, that was a really great way to put it. And, and I, and I very much, the things that inspire me are always something, I mean, definitely, you know, things in the media and stuff like that, like the corruption that's happening right now, all of that inspires me. But, you know, I, I write, I tend to write about my mom a lot because we have a very close connection, but also a very weird connection. Uh, again, uh, a lot of things having to do with mental health, doing with medication, uh, doing with drugs. So, it, it, you know, there's that I'm constantly dealing with in my poetry too. I, I remember someone said that I have mommy issues and I, and I definitely do. And that's something that I'm constantly exploring. And, and I feel like it's, it's part of my process to, uh, to explore that. So that's something else that I'm dealing with as well in, in terms of writing. Yeah. Yeah. And why don't we, why don't we, as we start to prepare for, uh, a, a, a reading from you, a quick reading, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, your chapbook. Are you going to be reading from the chapbook or are you reading from something else or, uh, what do you think you'll yeah, be reading? I, I'm going to, uh, be reading from, uh, a, a chapbook called Depression Cupcakes. All right, great, great. So, so why don't you uh, set up a little bit and tell us a little bit about how this came to be, and then you could uh, go ahead and read up okay. a poem or two, yeah. Uh, uh, how it came to be, I, I don't want to, um, uh, it, can I read it and then say Okay, okay sure, please? sure, yeah. All right, great. Is that cool? That's fine, right, yeah. So I'll just do it. Um, um, my heartbeat wants to be heard. I used to only care about dead poets the ones who burst forth from the fire, only to become the fire, only to burst forth through me, for everything dead shall rise within me. I used to only care about dead poets, because we are all buried inside ourselves, and when your body is a cemetery, you are never alone. Because a cemetery is a cemetery because of the lies left in it. There is a storyline here. It starts with depression and it ends in anger. And I can feel the tipping point, the beast, the bristle of flame, igniting suicidal emotions only to realize this suicidal fire has burned for far too long, too open, too cruel. I used to only care about the dead in things, and then came the lithium, and then I used to only stare at the dead in things, and then came the coke, and oh, how I became the dead in things, and then came the soberness, and now I only write about the dead in things. Everyone tells me I look like Robin Williams, and I don't know what they're talking about. Everyone tells me I look like Robin Williams, and I know exactly what they are talking about. Poets like sad, damaged, and broken down things. I used to only care about dead poets because they are so easy to talk to. Poets like broken, damaged, and sad puppies. But then I look around this earth, these eyes 
our glorious star, our glorious stars on the unraveled tapestry of the universe. And I gotta tell you, I used to only care about dead poets, but it's the ones who are living that are keeping me alive. So yeah, so that's the poem. Thank you, thank you, um, yay. Yeah, thank you. Uh, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, about the poem, uh, how it came to be, why it came to be. Um, um, I, this is probably one of the most comical lines in the poem, but it's where it started from. Um, you know, before uh, uh, Robin Williams passing, uh, no one had ever said a word to me, oh, you look like Robin Williams. But then... After his passing, everyone, I, where, I, everywhere I went, people just started telling me I look like Rob Williams. And that just got into my psyche. And then thinking about some of my issues with ideation, uh, suicidal ideation, and, and, and definitely mental health, and all the things that I've already just told you about that all just kind of got all mixed up into that poem. Um, you know, and, and also thinking about, you know, just the the power of the poem, power of again, you know, um, uh, thinking about uh, when you may ask me about who needs healing again, that energy of you know the poets in the room and possibly you know the poets who spirits are in the room too. I know that sounds very yeah. corny again, but uh, you know that energy and that power, I think, is what I was trying to uh, 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 slice into a little there, splice into a little. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think I would agree that uh, I've exposed some teachings that uh, I've been uh, taught some teachings that say that we can heal even generations past, you know, even the generations before us, and that we're kind of bringing their burdens with us, perhaps in a very functional level. We're kind of inheritors of their burdens, and that that we're kind of healing maybe ourselves, maybe them. I don't know what it is, but some of the energy that is in that environment of these uh, long gone. Uh, people that um, that we're still healing, we're still trying to recover from. You know, that we're still trying to our ancestors, if you will, or our lineage, or even even uh, people who we don't even know that we're just you know somehow sending that energy out. You know, yeah, that was great too. I never I never really thought about it like the inheriting generations, like thinking yeah. about it that way too. What this poem could be about. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you. Uh, that mirror. Thank you. Thank you. And then um, also we have about, uh, you know, you put down one of your things about Bukowski. Uh, Bukowski is also another poet uh, that uh, has an energy very, um, you know, kind of he has the energy of like struggles with, uh, you know, he ha in his own writing, you know, about with alcoholism, with womanizing, all this kind of stuff, the way he kind of like the very rough and tumble kind of thing. And tell us a little bit about you picked out the poem. I thought of ships. I thought of armies holding on uh, as being one poem that, uh, and I was reading over it. I was like, yeah, it's really, you know, I think it also kind of has something about to offer that everyone should be able to experience the two poems, the L, uh, parentheses A, and also uh, Bukowski's uh, I Thought of Ships. Um, so tell us a little bit about, like, uh, uh, you know, these kinds of riffing off of that, kind of how, uh, why you picked that poem. Yeah, I mean, well, Bukowski is a big poet in my life. Uh, you know, he, he I, I discovered him too in my 20s, and he was a hero of mine. But as you get older, 
and you start, you know, reading more, discovering things like you, you know, I, I, his work will always be something that'll always be in my heart. Um, he was a very problematic figure in the world. Um, um, he wasn't a very a good person, uh, especially to women. And uh, as I've gotten older, I've learned to kind of like stop uh, worshiping at that person's altar and feet. And, and this also brings up the conversation uh, of about, you know, can you separate the art from the artist? And it took yeah. me a while with him to do that because, I mean, there's even video footage of him being just not uh, uh, not the greatest of people. And it's it's disheartening when you see that. Um, um, it was good for me to see that, to see, to uh, maybe start looking at myself, uh, not saying that I was doing things of that nature, but just being able to look at myself like, why am I idolizing this person and his behaviors? Because in some of those poems, too, like, what I love about his work, though, is that he's not always the hero in his poems. So he really shows that vulnerability, which I think is important, uh, especially for the uh, uh, the person receiving the art, because then that, that holds a mirror up to what's going on in your life. With that said, the poem that you brought up um, is just an amazing poem, uh, because it, basically the setting of it is, excuse me, he comes home, um, and his goldfish, uh, his goldfish in the bowl, he can't tell if it's dead or not. It looks like it might be dead, which it winds up being dead. And he just literally lost someone very close to him. And it all makes, you know, it it all combined with this goldfish that he was just looking at that uh, uh, um, that seemed to be almost holding on like ships, like armies, but eventually just sank. Um, yeah, I, I, it, 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 it's. It's just a really beautiful poem. Like it, it's mm. it's it's when Bukowski just kind of when when Bukowski just kind of touches that you know he has this poem about there's a bluebird inside me where he's really tapping into that bluebird. It's really emotional. It's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful piece of literature. And it you know it's one of those reasons why I still you know from time to time still do read him. Like I, it, it you know there's uh. You know, again, can you separate the art from the artist? It's it's, it's difficult sometimes, uh, um, but I'm learning how to connect those divides instead of creating those divides. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, for me, some of his poetry like connects like the meshing or the melding of like experience, the experience we're having right now, and and the far out there experiences of of uh, of wars and and and. Uh, and, and nations and, and all these kinds of things, these abstractions that sometimes we can, that at least in my experience are abstractions because of where I'm living in, you know, a civilian. I'm sure people who experience that are very different experiences, but the miracle of being able to connect with these people, connect with people who have experienced that and connect with, with through death or through our experience of a daily death, um, you know, experience of coming into being and, and all these kinds of stuff, all these kinds of themes of, of larger pictures and how it's all encapsulated in that single moment. So, um, yeah. And then also, uh, we have, we'll be, um, closing with the, with the, uh, we have some, we're about halfway through. Um, so we also have the musicians, uh, who have influenced you. 
Um, I believe you picked out Melvin's, um, one of the Mel, I'm not actually not familiar with this band. So tell us a little bit about, uh, the Melvin's you quoted them a, a few times in your interview questions. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of how that's impacted you and, and music in general. You started off a little bit about how you, you were writing some lyrics and such. So going into that. Yeah. So the Melvin's came into my life, maybe in my twenties, they've been around for over 35 years. They, they're considered, uh, uh, they don't like this moniker at all, but, uh, they're considered like the godfathers of grunge. Kurt Cobain from Nirvana was their roadie. The, dr- the drummer of the Melvins played on some Nirvana albums, uh, some song, like, you know, so there's a big mm. connection with all of that. Yeah. Um, but they're just, they just happen to be, uh, they're heavy, they're slow, um, they, uh, they don't print their lyrics, so you have to, but it's kind of like a painting, like you hear what you want to hear, and that's the message. So whatever you think the lyrics are, or what they are, um, um, uh, which I think is really unique. Um, when you do find out, you know, every now and then, uh, King Buzzo, who is the, the lyricist, will post some lyrics, and they're just, they're like words that go into nonsense back into words, which is really, I think, interesting. Um, and they're a band, they're a do-it-yourself kind of band. Like, uh, they really figured out, um, this whole, you know, cause like, I mean, I, I, you know, as someone who's grown up in the eighties and nineties and remembers what the music business was like and what the music business is like now, it's, it's a much different world. Artists were making, you know, musicians were making all this money and stuff like that. Um, but right now with all these streaming services, you're not really making much. So what the Melvins do is they just kind of, uh, um, they create their own packaging, uh, special edition vinyls. Like, you know, we're only going to press like 300 of these. So, um, um, and they'll be, they'll be done by hand. They'll all have, they'll all look different. Each one of them will have like an artistic imprint to them. And I think that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, to me as someone, you know, who is an artist themselves, I-, I love the fact that, you know, they're putting their fingerprints all over it. They're creating it themselves. And there's something exciting, uh, and very punk rock about that that I don't see, you know, you know, everyone's got their warehouses and manufacturing. There's something more intimate when you know the musician who the music you're buying from is the one who's actually putting this together. Um, another, uh, uh, so I, I really am drawn to that. They do a lot of stuff with artwork. Their their albums and the artwork that they do are uh, sometimes there'll be art exhibits that they're a part of. I don't know a lot of other musicians that are doing that type of thing. Uh, um, and then another thing about the Melvins is they're very real. They're very honest about um, certain things. Like, I, I, uh, I can't believe I'm going to bring this up, but like, you know, within the death, you know, the death of Kurt Cobain, um, I was a huge Nirvana fan knowing of that suicide and what happened. You know, the Melvins uh, were close to Kurt. They grew up together. Um and I believe it was uh, Dale Crover, who's the drummer of the Melvins, was being interviewed on Howard Stern. Ha- Howard Stern had Dave Grohl on, uh, the, orig- the drummer of Foo Fighters, uh, Nirvana, all that stuff. And 
um, you know, he didn't know that there was a drummer before Dave Grohl, and and he thought it was kind of like, oh wow, that and and when they when uh Dale when excuse me when Dale Crover quit Nirvana, that was right before Nevermind dropped that big album that changed everything. Mm-hmm. So Howard Stern was going to have this guy on, and he was going to try to make fun of him, and. You know, Del Crover gets on there and Stern is doing his thing like, don't you feel bad that you left right before that album dropped, all that success and all that stuff? And and Del Crover was like, no, like that would have been five years of horribleness watching my friend die. Like, mm. you know, he it was very real. He's like, I'm serious. Like, you know, there's nothing good that came out of this. If you're asking me, would I rather have this album never mind or have my friend you know it's it's no contest i would rather have my friend you know with me walking the earth than this whole nirvana thing and uh, to me it was very real it was a very Mm. real moment of like there are so many people trying to fuck or capture that star that celebrity star like i'm very against that celebrity star thing and and i don't know it was a very real moment to me it's it's a moment that i i don't like poetry truth to power was something like that like no that this wasn't a good thing that happened like there's nothing you know yes he influenced all of this stuff and that's great but like you know at what cost my friend died you know and and he didn't just die he looked at the world around him that was hurting him especially the music industry and I'm sure a lot of other things, um, and took his own life. So I, I, I don't know. Those are some of the th- reasons why I like the milk. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. These are really long answers. I apologize. Uh, no, it's great. It's great. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Where we got about, uh, yeah, it just really resonated with me what you were saying about, um, you know, uh, you know, that we idolize, you know, being famous and, and all this kind of stuff. I definitely, it does resonate with me that, that deep truth that, you know, being real to ourselves and being honest with ourselves and, and connecting with each other, finding that love, finding that compassion, you know, not um, idealizing just that this this ambiguous fame, fame you know, uh, and the spotlight and all that, and kind of putting that as being the number one thing is not is not the not speaking truth to power is not being truth truthful, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, also, um, why, why why don't we listen to one more poem then? Um, uh, why don't you select something else um, as we, as we uh, and we can use that to oh. riff off of yeah. Uh yeah. All right. So let's see. I will do 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 do. Yeah, I will <laughs> just. I guess I'll just do this one. Why not? Um, <clears throat> most people don't know this about me but I am an 18th century dainty, antique, delicate, cracked Japanese teacup. When the Japanese mend a broken object, they aggrandize the damage by filling it with gold. When something has suffered damage, it becomes more beautiful. They said they knew who I was. They said they were afraid of my past. Little did they know, so was I. Oh, haunting past are like growing neck goiters, always in the way, always in plain sight. And they didn't have a problem reminding me of the 10-year cocaine habit thing, 
or the unemployed thing, or the poet thing, or you've only been sober from coke two years thing, and rehabilitation doesn't always mean promise, and they thought me not a gentleman to keep. They said my petals had long fallen off. Little did they know that bud blooming in the wind is a rising sun. And I have crawled out of shit and seizures, and I ain't ever going back to up my nose. So fuck you. It is me who is saying my light is way too bright for you. I was the dry spell, and then the storm, thieving, lying, deceiving, deceptful, dirty, dreadful little rocks snorted through brain. I am the fire of ash, the burnt over with heart. I resurrect thee, and your judgment of me is just another candle lit on this journey. I am the journey. You are nothing but a path. It's never too late to be yourself. If someone ever says to you, you can't show them the well-lit back alleys of your torso. This city breathes for change and yearn for light. Two years ago, I used to have to say, hello, my name is Thomas Fugoloro, and I am addicted to cocaine. Now I say hello. My name is Thomas Ficoloro, and I am a new school MFA creative writing graduate. And you know who was there for me? I was there for me. If anyone ever tells you it's too late, tell them it's too early to jump from bridges. And you know what they say? Cocaine abuse does lead to literary MFA degrees. And you can keep cutting my limbs, but like a starfish, I keep regenerating back. So yes, I am a motherfucking super badass 18th century dainty antique delicate crack Japanese teacup. I am damaged, but I am beautiful. My mouth is a well. You can certainly put your wishes here. That's another one. Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. Ooh. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. And I really found it uh, really revelatory about you know, our pain, our suffering and how we're like, um, we're in the pro you know, we have the duty, we have the obligation to heal, not just ourselves, but our whole community. And that, you know, the way in which we hold the community in our, in ourselves is, is very, you know, it's not, there's nothing out there. It's just about healing ourselves is healing our community. And, 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 you know, rather than adding to the pain of our community, we have to, you know, be bold and it's very moving how you, move through that and how, you know, we, we can actually add value by healing and, and by, you know, not, not by focusing on the damaged aspect, but focusing on what we can do, uh, how we can act, how we can do to, 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 to comfort and to heal and to, uh, you know, add value to that, uh, to the thing, way things are right now. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you just, you, you just, you know, you mentioned, who needs healing earlier and stuff in yeah. the community. And, and that's so much a part of it too. I, I didn't even say that, like just that being within a community, a poetry community or whatever community you're a part of, there's always something that's really, you know, uh, uh, uplifting and healing about that. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. knowing that, you know, writing is sometimes solitary work and knowing that there's other people who are also writing and also, uh, testifying and also standing the, Staying, standing in their truth, that we're there to support them, and that we're there to, 
uh, remind them that this is work, meaningful work, and this is meaningful. Uh, their lives are meaningful. Yeah. 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 So um, also, I liked uh, one of the phrases you put down. Uh, one of the quotes you put down about you know being serious. We're serious about what we do, but don't take us too seriously. I think, uh, or don't don't uh, be too serious about ourselves. The exact quote was: "We're serious about what we do, but don't take us too serious." But I always take that also like, don't be too serious, but we're serious about what we do. Like using that 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 thing. I think I was King Buzzo from the Melvins said that. Yeah. Uh, so being serious, but also being playful or being fun and enjoyable and, and finding that joy, find that, that place of joy. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's really important with the art that you're doing, because if you, I, I think it's important to take it serious, but if you take yourself too serious, you become that pompous person, that academia person who is completely like, you know, dismissing all of the art and poetry around them because they think they're this higher calling. There's nothing that turns me off more than that kind of pompousness. It's very, you know, even working at a college level, you, you, you see it around that it's, it's scary. It's, it's very scary. Yeah. Kind of dismissiveness or that nobody else understands this kind of thing that, or this kind of attitude that what's been coming before is just non level quality of, you know, what I'm going to produce or what niche interests I have, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what... It's yeah, like the debate doing. with Rupi Carr. You know who she is? Yeah, I, I don't really like her poetry. And I don't either. Yeah. But, but I can understand I like, how it's the gateway. I hope it's a gateway to, for some people rather than just being an end. Right, right. You know? I, I, I like, though, yeah. that it's still somehow it's a gateway but i also like that it pisses off old academics yeah because they think yeah. that their work is the work that should be i'm not saying that our work is good i'm just saying that i like that yeah you know, to me that's a form of protest like that kind of like it should have a t.s Eliot kind of feel to it. like <laughs> you know that's all bullshit like you know i'm not saying you know t.s Eliot is great just like it's you know, poetry is constantly changing, evolving, devolving, revolving. Like, I would hate for it to just be one thing. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's, exactly. that's what's great about poetry. It's not just one thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I think that in that sense, I kind of uh, feel a certain resonance with just the idea that it's a, it's a movement people are starting to catch on to. I'm, I'm happy that they're doing that. I'm happy that they're just catching on to something and uh, with poetry and and I hope I hope that'll bring them into the world rather than you know throw, just be an endpoint. You know, I mean, I don't know, we don't know, yeah. but you know, bring bring others into this uh, this kind of movement. You know, the Insta poets and all that, and uh, and the it's a, it's just another way of expressing, another way of you know memes and and the proliferation of quick sound bites and quick uh, quick things are, are ways to get information across, and it's a form, it's an art form that we all have to master, we all have to. You know, we can master and we can bring our unique um, take to this medium. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, you, you yourself, I know from following you on Facebook and such, you produce all of these little quick memes that, uh, you know, that, that are just interesting and provocative and, and give a little bit of uh So what, what is your take on internet culture in general as we start to... Uh, what is well, the, yeah. the, the memes you're mentioning, I, I look at those as like singles to the album. So like for me, like those are taken from bigger pieces of poetry. 
Oh, okay. and it's just you know, and it's it's basically to just real you know, hopefully like you know, hey, maybe I'll check out some other work that you do. Uh, but I I like doing those little small bite size from the poems. Um, in terms of social media and poetry, I mean, I think it's great. I, I like. I, for everything bad you can say about social media, you know, you can get your work out there. You can connect with people. You can see other work. I, I you know, I, 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 you know, so many people, they message you, uh, you know, from everywhere, from like India to Wyoming, you know, hey, can you take a look at this poem that I wrote? That's like a great feeling to someone wanting that, you know, to show you their work from somewhere else, I think is exciting. I think it's, you know, uh, you know, like Rupi Carr, it's another access point. It's got all its downfalls to it. Cause I think social media, it has its toxicity so much, but it's just got a lot of ways of just getting the message or the poetry out there, getting that connection out there. And I think, I think that's hell of a hell of important. I think um, um, it's so necessary now, and I like that poets are taking to social media and doing that thing. Can it be annoying sometimes? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, having your feed flooded with poetry for some, you know, stinks. For me, it's better than sunglass ads. So <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like that. I I, I like. Um, uh, you know, I definitely think social media is hurting us and dividing us as well. But I also believe that divide was there way before social media. I feel like the TV and newspapers were social media before social media. And we were fighting just as much, maybe just not, you know, we were talking about this uh, yesterday, actually, with a couple of friends that social media allows for you, for your voice to be heard without you having to put yourself out there. And I don't know why I think that's such an appetizing thing for people that they can share. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but like they take that uh, opportunity to share their voice, but not really put themselves out there. Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of a little, uh, I, I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. There's a lot of like, I guess just, pandering to an audience and their particular point of view mm, yeah definitely we're caught in our what bubbles yeah we're definitely caught in our bubbles and we're kind of um you know what's the word um kind of like this echo chambers that we're just trying to entertain a few people that uh perhaps follow us and i, I don't know i mean i think that also that um you know as far as like you know slacktivism and kind of this idea that we're influencing like larger forces without um without actually doing much of the legwork but i mean i i struggle with that because uh at the same time i think that yeah as we were, I was even talking about the themes of the show is about how you know just uh trying to you know change ourselves and keep ourselves sane is uh part of the practice and and that's the one part it's a foundational part but we should build on that and we should definitely build on that you know keeping ourselves together and, and what i said yeah. yeah and what i was saying about like raising their voice. I didn't mean in terms of legwork. Yeah. I just meant there's something psychological or something about the the safeness or maybe freedom, I don't know, about being able to say this thing, but not really having you saying it. Just this bubble 
that has a picture of you or something. Oh. You know, there's something safe within that. I'm not saying that people who are doing that aren't doing the legwork. Yeah. I'm just saying there's, there's a psychological thing with that, that I, I don't know there's a safety to it uh, that I haven't quite figured out just yet. Mm. I think people who are posting, especially activists, I know about slacktivists and stuff, I still think are doing There are a lot of people who are fucking doing the work yeah. who are also using social media yeah. to uh, 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 um, to share what work they're doing with, again, connection, hoping, hoping to inspire others. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I think it definitely has that reputation or that that perception that people are are instead retweeting rather than you know res- re- responding. You know, um, right? Yeah, yeah. So let me just give a quick, quick, couple quick announcements as we start to wind down. So you guys are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, independent listener sponsored radio. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations to listeners like you, so every dollar helps us to stay on air. Please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the folks in the law. Again, that's radioforbrooklyn.org slash donate go to, or you can go to radioforbrooklyn.org slash truth to power to support uh, this particular show with a monthly pledge or one-time donation. Uh, if you'd like to listen to RFB when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile apps or iPhone and Android. Available in the app stores and those respective for iPhone or Google Play Store for Android. Um, let's see. Ready for Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign is underway. In May, Ready for Brooklyn will turn five years old. And we need to raise $25,000 so we continue bringing you commercial-free independent media for another five years. Because we think raising money should be fun. Each month, we bring listeners fun challenges with great prizes. The first is a trivia quiz to find out how well you know RFB. The top five scores of the limited edition fifth anniversary RFB t-shirt. You can also dial 718-673-8201. Leave us a message letting us know why you love RFB. And to wish us a happy birthday, your message may be played on air. Um, finally, um, subscribe to our monthly pod, uh, monthly sub, subscribe to our monthly newsletter with the latest news about news programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up RFB already for Brooklyn.org slash newsletter. Thank you. Um, so now, Thomas, do you have any places you want to send people to find out more about your work? Or to send people any plugs or any uh, upcoming uh, any upcoming shows or readings? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sure. You mentioned uh, Knifeside Press. Uh, if people are interested, we're a uh, magazine that is currently accepting poetry, prose, Photography and art submissions. You just go to NYSAI, N-Y-S-A-I dot org, uh, for all the submission guidelines. Uh, I also run a few different, uh, reading series, um, in the city at the Parkside Lounge, uh, 317 East Houston, uh, every Sunday from four to six o'clock is something called, uh, Great Weather for Media Spoken Word Sundays. Uh, it's run by another press that works for Great Weather for Media. Um, and we do an open mic there every Sunday. It's like a dive bar. It's like, uh, something out of like a David Lynch movie. It's pretty great. Um, and then I do a lot of different things on Staten Island. So for example, uh, if people are in the Staten Island, uh, area at the St. George Library this Sunday, 
um, from three to five is something we do called Poetry and Cookies, uh, which is a family open mic. Uh, it's for uh, uh, kids and parents to come read whatever you want. We're going to have uh, books and poems already there. It's a free event, free cookies. Can't go wrong with free cookies. Um, uh, it's um, And in case you're nervous about reading something or your child is nervous about reading something, we'll have stuff there, everything from Shel Silverstein to Maya Angelou uh, to Robert Frost, you know, uh, things that are, uh, uh, you know, just poets that are uh, accessible but also powerful. Um I'm doing something this Friday at a place called Projectivity, which again is in Staten Island. Uh, uh, it's a poetry reading. Uh, I think it's 1953, Richmond Terrace. Um, so those are a few of the things uh, that are on the horizon um, that I can think of. And, and one other thing, just I'm going to throw it out there, it's so far off, but a, a, a reading and a slam that we do in Staten Island. Yes, Staten Island has a slam. Uh, it's called Life Vest Poetry, and we'll be celebrating our fifth anniversary, April 17th. We're going to have a really special show. Uh, we do this uh, reading at a space called Richmond Hood Company, which is on 827 Castleton Avenue, which is this amazing art, arts-slash-clothes store. Um, really great, a really big community builder, this uh, Richmond Hood is. Uh, if you don't know about them, you should definitely check them out. They're doing amazing things on Staten Island. Um, and we're doing our anniversary show. And how we're doing it is we're asking all the poets uh, to bring a hard copy of the poem that they're reading. And we have this great zine maker, Maggie Buford, who's going to make a zine on the spot of all the poems from the whole night. So we'll have a whole little booklet for it, and we're going to auction it off and stuff. It'll be a lot of fun. Great, so great. those are my commercials and plugs. Thank you, thank you. And people can listen to Truth to Power Show every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, rebroadcast on Thursday at 9 a.m. on uh, to listen to it when it streams through the podcast, uh, through the through the website or through the apps. You can also listen to our archives at uh, radioforbrooklyn.org/truth2power or go directly to truthtopower.com, uh, truthtopowershow.com rather. Um, that's where you can find my own website, links to vjrnathan.com. Uh, so you can find about my website and, and look into my work uh, if you'd like. Thank you so much. We'll go out with uh, uh, Melvin's uh, Let It All Be. Um, so we'll listen to that and, and hope, hopefully have a good Monday. Thank you. Bye. Bye.